This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Welcome to the second of three podcast episodes that MarketScale is releasing from DSC. Over two days, we talked to a number of industry leaders, and now we're releasing those conversations in stages. And if you missed the first episode, make sure you go back and check that out over on the MarketScale Pro AV Vertical on MarketScale.com. But if you listen to that first episode, then you know that data was a major theme of that show, and episode two really carries on that theme as well. We're going to be talking to Stacey Dvorsky, the VP of Marketing at Inplug, Allison Maxson, Senior Marketing and Communications Manager at Absin, and finally Jay Leedy and TJ DiQualo from Diversified. Each of them brings a different perspective on the industry and its rapid growth over the past several years. And we're going to start off by talking to Stacey Dvorsky, who explains her journey from getting her PhD in the humanities field to helping brands understand the story that Data is telling them. It's a really fascinating story, and she brings a really interesting perspective on the industry. So that's going to be our first conversation coming up next here on the Market Scale DSE podcast. I'm Stacey Dvorsky, VP of Marketing for NPLUG Digital Science Software. Awesome. And you are giving a presentation later, is that right? Yeah, I'm giving a presentation on demystifying data. So essentially about how data, which can seem scary to some people, is a really valuable driver for visual communications, whether it be for marketing or internal communication. So you have a little bit of a background of coming from an area that wasn't so much data-driven and into this and understanding a little bit about the, the way that data can be used to tell stories and, uh, and that sort of thing. Kind of explain your background and how you found yourself into this, uh, into this particular realm. So I took the very unique path of having a, uh, gaining a PhD in Italian <laughs> studies uh, from UCLA. Uh, from there, I started working in digital publishing Mm-hmm. And from there, I transitioned to ad tech uh, based off of my knowledge as a publisher. They were looking for somebody who was able to understand how publishers want to monetize their digital properties. Uh, and I had that. So that really brought me into the business world and into the tech world. So from there, uh, you know, I began to encounter the famous kind of big data mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, hear more about the word data driven and That seemed scary to me at first. I had a friend in grad school who was an electrical engineer, and data to me was what she did. It was not what I did. It was not something uh, tied to communications. However, as I started moving through my career, I began to find that data really isn't that scary, and I think it's something that a lot of people have a mental block on but can be really valuable to them. I actually have a memory of when I first started working in one of my first offices. What they did is because we were making money off of publishing, we had the Google Analytics dashboards, right? like 10 of them behind my desk. So I was practically getting like a sunburn from these screens. You felt like you're on Wall uh, Street or e- something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting, and it was scary. When you first came in, you think, wow, there are all these numbers. But there's no context behind them. Right. And it's when I realized, and I was thinking about how we could put those numbers more into context so that mm-hmm. visitors to the office 
could understand that this meant our company was growing, that I had something to add to the whole data discussion. And that really came from the background in humanities, storytelling, um, knowing how to present information to an audience in a way that excites them. Yeah, I was a communications major and math is not my thing at all. And so anything involving numbers and that sort of thing terrified me until I, uh, I'm a huge sports fan and kind of got into the analytic side of sports a little bit and it kind of became less scary to me because it was in a context that I understand. Is that kind of the way that you're presenting this to uh, specific businesses and, and, and clients and that sort of thing in order to um, be able to help them understand here's what's going on with your business and here's, you know, some of the, some of the underlying things. Yeah. You, you know, I think first of all, a lot of people don't realize what data they have. Mm -hmm. They think of data just as pure sales numbers when really they have data that's being generated constantly that is interesting and useful to their clients. Uh, even in store, we're seeing that more and more now uh, with uh, data on what is being sold. For example, uh, you know, digital signage can really suggest uh, additional products for people to buy in store, and that's coming from data. So if you bought this pair of shoes, other people also tend to buy this with it. And that data is helpful to shoppers, and it also is helpful to the retailer because it's giving impetus to purchase more product. And that's the kind of data that's been available to people on the e-commerce side for a little while, but maybe not so much brick and mortar folks. And so they all of a sudden have this new wealth of information at their fingertips that you can help provide that context for. Yeah. And I think there's still, you know, a lot of people are still exploring how to bring that in store, how to measure the results mm -hmm. based off of that. Um, and again, how to really connect it to the shopper without it making seem like just a pure kind of push of the product itself. Uh, one of the ways we found at Mplug that's very valuable to do this is through social media, for example. So based off of what's being sold the most, using a hashtag in order to pull in user-generated content that shows that kind of product that is being sold the most. Interesting. And you guys um, have programs that really that, that display social media in retail outlets too. Is that right? And, and that sort of thing. Is that an important aspect? Just because social media is just permeating throughout all of our lives at all different points now, is that kind of an important aspect to have in stores? That that ability. Uh, yeah, I believe it. It really is an important ability for stores to have uh, in in the store itself, uh, especially now that more and more. Uh, e-commerce features are being added to social media. It's something that shoppers are coming to expect when they go into, into store to be able to connect it mm -hmm. with that social experience they're already having. Can you just tell me a little bit more about Implug and, and what you're doing and uh, what you have displaying here at, uh, at DSE this year? Yeah, so at Implug, I think, is at a really exciting place. Mm -hmm. I joined about a year ago, and I joined because it is growing so rapidly. One of the things that impressed me the most about Mplug is the attention they're paying to security. Uh, so, for example, I know that in where I come from, the digital advertising world, we've been talking about security for a long time. When I first le started learning about digital signage, I was really surprised there wasn't more of a discussion about how the data was being used in platforms and shared and what controls people were given. Interesting. Um, at Mplug, we're really working very hard to ensure the safety of the data, and we give a lot of controls to clients over that. 
Our clients fall into two main groups. We have uh, internal communications clients who use it for communications within a corporate environment. And then we also have a lot of clients who use it for marketing as well. And on the kind of third group is, you know, we do work with a lot of integrators, partners, and resellers. You're one of the first companies that I've seen that really has kind of an app marketplace um, that's part of your overall package of what you offer to your customers and your clients. Is that something that differentiates in like a little bit more from some of your competitors? Yeah, so we're really the first to have an open app marketplace, mm-hmm. um, and we're the only to have an fully open app marketplace. That means that we have a developer kit available so people can build an app within the marketplace. Uh, we're consistently adding to the marketplace ourselves. Uh, one of the things that I find most exciting about our recent product updates is we have a new sign builder. Now, there's a lot of ways to build digital signs out there, but with our new sign builder, um, not only is it drag and drop, scale and rotate, and all of those things that you know we've really come to expect with graphics programs, but you can also drag and drop in a countdown or a count up timer, uh, which for internal communications is great because you can count down to a deadline or, you know, you can count up to a big trade show like DSE, for example. Uh, And we've also recently added what we're calling custom triggers. Mm -hmm. So custom triggers is a way to trigger new content on your sign automatically without any extra work. For example, if you have, uh, you know, 50 to 100 employees who have birthdays over the coming two months, you just upload a list of, you know, their names, their birth dates, et cetera, and the work is done for you. It automatically pulls that text into the sign so you can kind of set it and forget it, which is really great for a lot of these larger enterprises that we're working with. Yeah, absolutely. How are some of what are some of the ways that you've seen signage incorporated into an office setting in a way that really benefits the employees that work there and that sort of thing? Because I think a lot of people think of digital signage, and maybe I fall into this accidentally, and think retail and immediately run to that. But this is a large aspect of what you do is inside large businesses and ways for corporate communications to happen. Yeah. So one of the clients we work with, Paycor, um, I think they're a really great use case. They essentially decided to digitize their workplace and introduce digital signage into that. Now, the way we've seen it work well for them is with their sales team uh, in terms of sharing dashboards, but then adding in motivating content to that as well. So, for example, you have a dashboard showing how many sales are being made. Mm -hmm. You follow that up with, you know, a call to action of, remember, the best time to cold call is 4 to 5. Right now it's 4.30. Pick up that phone. Um, And they saw a really, a real increase in measurable productivity using that. Uh, One of the reasons that digital signage is good for that over, say, a desktop is that in a sales team, you have a competitive environment. So if you're sitting at a sports bar and everybody's staring at their own computer screen, you're not getting as much competitive spirit as if you have something up on the big screen. So as a team motivator, digital signage can be a huge win. 
Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that um, just with the uh, with the app store that you have available and things along those lines, you offer a certain level of customization for a particular client's needs and wants because everyone's going to need and want something slightly different. You know, no two, I, I would assume no two client operates the exact same, so they want different things. Um, is that something that's important to you as a company, just being able to uh, find custom solutions for anybody that walks through the door? That's incredibly important for us is to set up an infrastructure where people don't have to change their content in order to show it. Uh, the idea, I think, of digital signage is in part to save time and to increase productivity, whether it be in marketing or in internal communications. So if you have a setup where you can enable an app and automatically pull in content without having to go and fiddle with it, uh, that, that, that's really a great solution for people. Um, we're always adding more customization options as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, with our user permissions, too, uh, it's a really valuable way for, say, a creative director to give people access to some content but not others. Interesting. That's really fascinating. Well, Stacy Dvorsky from Implug, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, that talk you're going to give on Friday about uh, motivating aud- audiences with data. It sounds exciting. Thank you. Thank you to Stacy from Inplug for joining us at DSE this year. I really appreciated her perspective and just the way that she approached data I thought was really interesting. And so I, I appreciated the opportunity to get a chance to talk to her. Coming up next will be my conversation with Allison Maxson, the Senior Marketing and Communications Manager at Absin. We're going to talk about a major award that Absin won there at DSE this year. We're also going to talk about the importance of collaboration and really keeping the human element in digital signage, something that maybe some people might be lacking. So we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up next here on the Market. Market Scale DSE Podcast. Uh, Allison Maxson, and I'm the Senior Manager of Marketing and Communications for Appson. And uh, big news, last night you guys won a, a pretty major award. Oh my gosh, I'm still in shock. No, we won, we were up for an Apex Award for under the category of venues. Mm-hmm. And we had worked and actually did a wonderful video with Market Scale uh, on the Hal Center Theater just outside of Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. in Sandy, Utah. And it was, this is a community theater on steroids. We're talking about a multi-million dollar state-of-the-art puts Broadway theaters mm-hmm. to shame in the advanced theater facility AV. You had Absen LED, you had Samsung LCD, you had high-end system lighting, top uh, sound. Uh, the center stage is a, it's a, like a theater in the round, mm-hmm. but it's a theater, it's a stage that can raise and lower. Wow. They can even have water. There's flooding capability where if there was a water scene or something, they have the ability to add water to that center stage. And it's not just the stage as a single unit. It can be platforms and multi-tiers that can raise and lower at different different times and different elevations to one another. Wow. It changes the dynamic of, for a show theater designer... It just opens up the canvas to so many different ways to 
set a scene. Yeah. And the way that they utilize LED in that scene setting, uh, or because again, it was theater in the round, mm-hmm. um, it was just amazing. And I'm an old theater. I, I was Broadway bound. I was a theater right, geek. Right. I went to Interlochen Arts Academy and I was at Shenandoah Conservatory as mm-hmm. a musical theater. Um, and to, this kind of brings back all of that excitement from my theater days and appreciation. So overall, it was just an amazing project. Uh, we worked directly with Revel TV, who was mm-hmm. the integrator, um, and they were phenomenal. And That's we awesome. won. We won gold um, in the venue category. And then the icing on the cake, to our amazement, is that project also won installation of the year. Unbelievable. It was. It was just, it was, we, we went out and we celebrated. Yeah, we did. did. We, we absolutely did. We're on a high right now. That's incredible. How does that validate the work that you guys do and really recognize um, Absent as a leader in this space? It's, to me, it's about the relationships that we're building in the industry. It's, technology is secondary. It's there, mm-hmm. but it's not the only thing, it really comes down to relationships and understanding and building those relationships with those key integrators and with our partners. Mm-hmm. Taking advantage of those opportunities to develop video testimonials or call them references and pushing them out there in the market help in so many different facets. And as a marketing and a communications professional, knowing how one component can live in five different directions is what makes me valuable to my sales team and to the company as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, when they think about just technology and they think about you know LED screens and, and things along this mm-hmm. line, I, I think that they sometimes forget about that human element, that it's mm-hmm. technology, it's advancement, mm-hmm. it's cold, hard you know, video boards and that sort of thing. But really, like, you're kind of bringing back in the human element of it with, along with, like, those it's, partnerships. It's amazing what the versatility you can do with LED. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a time and place for LED, and there's a time and place for projection. There's a time and place for LCD. Right. Um, I think all of them complement. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I know in the industry right now, the, the big kind of LED versus LCD and then projection versus LED. Mm-hmm. Those are hot topics. Yeah. You get competitive and because the price point of LED has dropped dramatically over the past five years. So it's right. becoming more competitive against LCD. And there's a lot of advantages with LED and a power consumption. You don't have the bezels that you get in an LCD video wall. Um, things like that. So it's fun. It's exciting. And it's constantly, it's a, it's a happening segment Mm -hmm. right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, um, today you were on a panel, a luncheon panel. I I was not on the panel. You were not on the panel. You attended it. No, I attended. It was the women of digital signage Mm -hmm. luncheon. Yeah. This is their second year. Um, I, I was in attendance last year, and it's just growing uh, tremendously. Megan Duda, who is the managing editor mm-hmm. over at SCN Magazine, she's one of the founders, and then I was sitting with several um, heavy-hitting women. We were all gathering there, and there was a panel of three very strong women, and then the moderator, um, who's also part of the Digital Signage uh-huh. Feder- Federation, Kim um, Sarubi, talking about us as women in a 
fairly male-dominated industry, and um, taking these three women up there and sharing their personal and professional experiences yeah. of being a woman in a male-dominated area and how how they what they've ex- what their experiences are, mm-hmm. um, how they have accomplished and gotten over challenges. We as women have to give ourselves permission. A lot of times, our internal yeah. dialogue when it came down comes down to it. So we have to change our internal dialogue to give ourselves that permission to claim ownership for the projects that we have led. Mm-hmm. I think we're very conscious of making sure that everybody gets their fair share and we don't want to come across as it's all us and nobody else did anything. We don't want to do that. We're very aware of that. But there's a sacrifice that sometimes happens where we put ourselves on the back burner as yeah. women and how to deal with different challenges. And there was one um, one of the more senior women on the on the panel talking about in her early early years here in Las Vegas of how much you know there was she was asking for a raise mm-hmm. and she's like well the the person she was talking to or I guess her boss at the time of well this gentleman needs to make more because he has a family to support and you're single and you don't need to make as much because you don't have a family to support right. it was very much of that 50 60 70 male mentalities mm-hmm. that the man needs to make more because he has He's the be- he's the breadwinner. Right. Instead of going, I deserve this amount of money because of my quality of work and mm-hmm. experience and capability. Yeah. My home life does not come into factor. You're paying me for a job. Right. And that's what I deserve. Yeah. And how to go about that. Yeah, I think it's important to celebrate the wins that you have. And in doing mm-hmm. so, uh, you kind of, I guess, give people someone to look up to you know for your successes right yeah. and and then that creates I think, sure. a, a trickle down effect of yes. just more people wanting to more women wanting to enter an industry because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. see successful women out here crushing it and winning awards i think the key to that is is the mentoring side and we did even touch upon the yeah. mentoring if you know and to be a strong woman doesn't mean you have to be have a female mentor i have a lot of very strong wonderful male mentors the majority of the time that you're going to be in a, a probably your mentor is a male mentor we need both this is yeah. not just a man versus women it can't be like that yeah. it needs to be we're all in it to win it and we all are capable in our own individual right um i i'm not it's not because i'm a woman it's because of what i can do yeah absolutely it's not because you're a man it's because of what you can do and it's simple as that yeah, yeah. You were talking earlier about just the accessibility of LED now, and just um, mm-hmm. you know the, the price point coming down, so it's mm-hmm. just more accessible to to everybody. Um, when I think about that, I think, okay, all of a sudden, like there's this world that's been opened up to people that are your clients. How much do you sometimes have to go to them and and say, hey, look, like this is what's possible, you know, and kind of push the boundaries of things a little bit because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like this whole new world of accessibility has been open to them. Yeah, I think the challenge that we face in the marketplace today is there's a knowledge when it, and simplicity in an LCD mm-hmm. manner. LCD is like a television. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. You yeah. hang it and it's done. LED is more intricate. There's more knowledge that has to be um, known um, in when you do a permanent installation, the Mm -hmm. mounting, the wall. No wall or floor is truly flat. I don't care what the architect or the builder Mm -hmm. says. It's a flat wall. Nothing is 100%. You have to take that into account when you're building a video wall Mm -hmm. because if the wall's off and you don't 
shim the mounting gear or it's not the right strength of mounting gear for the size of the wall that Mm -hmm. you're doing and you don't shim things, things settle. And guess what's going to be seen? You're going to have seams being seen. The the LEDs are going to shift. So it's a ripple effect. Every, Every key element affects the outcome of how well that wall looks Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So I think what we're seeing as an LED provider is getting integrators, installers, educated and knowledgeable. I think there's still a hesitation because it's not known as well. So one of the things that Absin is doing this year, we've expanded our ACE, which is Absin Certified Engineer, training. We've always been a big proponent in training mm-hmm. because the more that they know, the more that they can accomplish on their site. And it's just, it's good for business. We are going to be starting a new training program mm-hmm. called ACE-I, and that's specifically for installation. Awesome. We've always run with, since 2016, our ACE, as we're going to call it now, ACE-R. Our ACE program has always been focused on the rental and staging because mm-hmm. that's been where our heaviest hitters have been. We've grown tremendously where now we have almost a higher market share or breakdown um, in fixed installation. And we see the need for that education and understanding of mounting, of walls, of LED, of Novastar processors. So to accommodate and to say, okay, we need to, the market has changed. We need to change with it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, it's been uh, a big day, big two days for you guys. Yes. And uh, so congratulations and uh, continue Thank celebrating you. and continue the good work. Thank you very much. Thanks to Allison Maxim for joining us there at DSC and congratulations on the awards, the Apex Awards that they won there at DSC this year. Huge honor and congratulations once again to uh, to some great people there at Absin. All right, coming up next is my conversation with Jay Leedy and TJ DeQualo. They work for Diversified. We're going to talk about using analytics to tailor content strategies and also just the way that this is revolutionizing brick and mortar retail and kind of helping it take on more of an e-commerce approach. So we're going to talk about that coming up next here on the Market Skill DSE Podcast. Hi, I'm Jay Leedy with Diversified's Digital Media Group, joined mm-hmm. here with uh, TJ DeQualo, the Director of Creative Services for Media Group. So you guys are not exhibiting here this year, so um, you're here just kind of checking out some of the trends and seeing what all is going on. In your minds, what are some of the bigger trends that you're seeing, and how is Diversified really playing a part in, uh, in the current, uh, let's say, landscape of digital signage? Great question. Uh, we're, we're seeing a, a huge uh, amount of growth in presentation of analytics platforms Mm -hmm. integrated into CMS uh, or as uh, third-party standalone solutions that can augment CMS platforms. Um, I think a a big driver of that has been the reduction in cost for sensors and uh, the reduction in cost and connectivity that's also allowing for some of these uh, edge compute-based solutions to really be uh, able to be cost-justified in the market. Uh, along with a, an appetite by the retail clientele to really um, defend against uh, a lot of the, the e-commerce considerations that are, are driving down retail presence in general. Uh, now there's an opportunity to kind of get the same kind of attribution and drive um, a degree of targeted 
content delivery uh, in those physical spaces uh, mm -hmm. through these analytics platforms. Yeah, I think Jay hit the nail on the head. I think if there was one buzzword to define the show, it would be analytics. Sure. Knowing who's in your store or your environment um, and how that uh, relates to myself and what I do at Media Group is really um, using those analytics as learning mechanisms uh, to drive new content strategies. So not just throwing content out there and hoping that it works, but measuring its effectiveness um, with a lot of granularity and being able to tailor new content strategies rapidly in order to adjust and make sure that the brand is reaching their goals financially. So y'all can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I think anytime something like this becomes uh, the latest trend with you know data analytics, people immediately think, yeah, I need to jump on that. So they start collecting it, but can't assign a lot of meaning to it. Is that an area where you'd say you come in and you really help with the assigning of meaning so that people understand, here's what I do with this data that I'm collecting. Here's how we collect it and um, make sense of all of it. Absolutely. So um, as aggregators of that data, we're able to manipulate it. So, you, you know, you, you, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of information out there, but how do you slice it up? How do you review it? How do you measure that your content's effective um, and your network's effective? And that is something that we do um, and can do internally with our own development staff is, is really run the reports, combine the analytical data that we get from the sensors and equipment in store to point of sale information, um, and, and put that in an easily digestible format for executives to review and marketing teams to review. Yeah, uh, just to kind of piggyback on TJ's comment, and we're seeing a lot of um, clients that are building out data scientists, practices, and have um, an appetite to interpret this data um, mm -hmm. internally, but there's many more clients that don't have the capacity or appetite to build out that internal practice and want uh, customer, you know, vendors like ourselves, partners like ourselves that um, have industry expertise and have an educated and informed opinion to interpret that data presented in a way that's easily uh, understandable and actionable through data visualization and, you know, reporting on a, a multitude of different uh, platforms. Yeah, because this seems to me to be the, the big bridge, I suppose, between brick and mortar retail and e-commerce, where e-commerce has had some of this data for a long time and now brick and mortar is catching up in ways of um, you know figuring out okay this is the data that we have available this is what we can collect and that sort of thing do you see this as as kind of that bridge where brick and mortar starting to to understand how they can really collect data and make use of it absolutely I think a lot of it's um, you know purely as a result of necessity uh, but uh, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of data to suggest in the industry in general with regard to retail that it's not really dying so much as it's changing mm -hmm. and uh, the, the partners that are here at DSE and um, the, the, the rest of the ecosystem that we engage with in, in the industry are in a really strong position to be able to solve for those challenges and uh, create an environment that's frictionless, create an experience that is as similar to uh, the online experience as possible, but getting a, a degree of interaction and choice in a physical environment and help to educate customers the way that they want to be educated and engaged within those environments. You know, I saw on y'all's website you had um, something that said something to the effect of kind of putting the human touch on digital signage, which I think is, is interesting because I think when people tend to think of digital signage and think of technology and data and analytics, they remove humanity out of it. But there is a certain human element to all of this, right? Like you're trying to create human experiences. And so keeping the humanity in it is obviously something that is crucial and important to what well, you do. Well, absolutely. I mean, psychology, you know, 
understanding who your audience is, what they're expecting, and how to convey your brand message or your corporate messages um, so that people receive it. I mean, so there's a tremendous amount of, of humanity associated with the actual delivery of the message. It's not just the nuts and bolts and the technology and the screens and the players that obviously facilitate the transfer of that message, but it really comes down to how well are you communicating. And to tie it back to analytics, I mean, you can really measure that now in a way that you couldn't before. Jay, you want to add anything on to, to that? To just kind of take it a step further, I think the, the human element is um, a big driver in helping to drive uh, content that is relevant. Um, when we do targeted messaging uh, in a multitude of ways, um, it can be seen as dis- disruptive if there's not an inherent value in what you're delivering, whether it's you know uh, triggering content off of a beacon or um, potentially serving up coupons or other campaigns tied to promotional offers within an environment. Um, but if it's not immediately relevant, it, if it doesn't land with the customer, it says that you don't know enough about that particular customer to care to engage with them the way they want to be engaged. And yeah. it can be off-putting. So technology, you really have to do strike a, a human element to that, um, that balance. Where do you guys see us just in the arc of um, the whole progression of analytics coming into the physical retail space through um, Pro-AV type um, type devices. Where, where do you see us? I, I suppose, are we going to look back in five years and say that this this right now was a, a data point on the way to a larger development? Or are we kind of arriving in a space that we're going to settle and stay for a few years, if that makes sense? I think it's all evolutionary, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think we will look back and say, you know, th- this was a point in time in which we saw a major leap forward because of... Um, the, the artificial intelligence and, and rise of machine learning, um, the, the rise of 5G will, you know, definitely kind of accelerate the amount of data that we can collect and how targeted we can be. But uh, also the sensor costs being driven down exponentially year over year, it's only going to continue to fuel that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, we'll see an evolution um, continue to happen where um, things that are, are really remarkable in our space and kind of have a um, a, a exceed ex- uh, customer expectations in five years will be uh, really come to be expected as a norm and will be challenged with an entirely new frontier of technology that has to be kind of introduced to continue to elevate that customer experience. Yeah, so so analytics have been around for a bit, and as Jay mentioned, you know the the reduction in cost in the technology is taking um, you know certain companies and brands out of the proof of concept phase and really being able to roll this out across their entire footprint. So on that arc where we're definitely on the rise, um, it's hard to judge where we'll be in a few years just because there's always going to be um, an evolution of technology and there's going to be more data points that we can capture and more um, devices that we can integrate in. Um, but, but I would guess that we're going to you know, have a very um, trackable and reportable environment for, for every action that people take just like they do online today. How do you guys see 5G kind of radicalizing or, or revolutionizing where where we're going and, and how big of an impact will it have eventually? Uh, any of the industry articles I've read about 5G indicates that it's going to be a, um, a, a massive shift in the industry in general for communications. For, for our industry specifically, though, it's going to allow for us to do, um, you know, analytics collection and trigger content that is typically resource intensive, requires a fair amount of bandwidth. And, um, it, you know, we, we see as retailers start to really consider deploying digital assets at scale, especially in um, environments with low costs, uh, or, you know, operating margin, there's uh, 
an opportunity now to ride separately from their networks and not have to rely on existing retail network architecture that um, will just help this to proliferate even further. Um, I think it's going to be a big deal. So we're in a hall filled with potential partners for Diversified to work with. How do you determine which partners are, are, are best and um, which platforms work best for you to work with? Uh, kind of walk me through that process and, and how that all works. Sure. So from a, from a software standpoint, you know, it's all about managing content. There's a lot of great uh, CMS platforms at DSC. Um, Diversified prides ourselves in being software and hardware agnostic. Okay. So we tend to go with the best of the best for um, what's in the, uh, the best interest of our client? What are their needs? So from day one of engagement, we really, you know, ask our questions, uh, ask our clients a lot of good questions to drill down to what the requirements are. Um, and through our experience, you know, we've touched almost every CMS here. Um, and we, we bring those, um, you know, those lessons that we've learned to the client and really specify which platform will meet most of their requirements. Not all of them are going to meet every single one of the requirements. Um, sometimes we offer uh, multiple solutions for a customer. Um, but what we also do is, is leverage the frameworks of these platforms and kind of hot rod them, um, augment them a little bit so they, they meet 100% of the requirements. So you know, we have a very talented development team in-house um, that can push the boundaries of what the platforms and technologies can do um, in order to make sure that our client's expectations are not only met, but, but certainly exceeded. Yeah, just kind of a piggyback on TJ's comment. I mean, we, we, um, we look at this entire show for, to some extent, as, as being our booth. As you mentioned, we don't exhibit uh, because we have so many partners. Really, the show for itself is, is our exhibit. Um, and we're reliant on our, our partners to be able to en enable us and our success. So, um, it's really important to, you know, to be here at DSC, engage with these guys, thank them for their support, and learn about their technology roadmaps. But um, more often we find that, especially in the CMS front, there, there's so many, um, but there's not a magic bullet for any one particular client and business case. Um, so we have in-house development, as TJ mentioned, that allows us to bridge those gaps. But we also can use those as a means of um, building out web UIs that are simplified so that we can get broad participation across a network of potentially thousands of admins without a whole lot of training, um, leveraging the back end and the functionality of these CMSs that um, have a lot of horsepower, um, but in many cases our customers that um, have an appetite to do management themselves don't really have an appetite or capacity to um, get into the, the engineered level training of uh, working within these platforms on a day-to-day -day basis. So you mentioned just being here and thanking, you know, partners for, you know, working together and for their support and that sort of thing. Is that an important aspect of what you do, just making sure that you maintain those relationships oh. and foster them? Is that, is that key for you guys? Absolutely critical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, we, we can't succeed without their support. And uh, a, a lot of what drives our selection of a particular partner for um, either uh, a broader level of um, engagement or, you know, for a specific business case has to do with their commitment to service level um, because we're going to be heavily reliant on them to be mutually successful. So it, it's really critical. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, you know, the, the best partners that we have are the ones that we collaborate with the most on, um, contributing to their roadmap um, and, and bringing insights to them, but also vice versa, um, helping us achieve um, things and concepts that we have in our mind. So, you know, so many of them do that from the hardware and software perspective. Um, we wouldn't be where we are without, you know, those partnerships. 
No, I, I understand. Well, Jay and TJ, thank you so much for, for stopping by and having this conversation. And enjoy DSC 2019, guys. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you to Jay and TJ for taking time to talk to us at DSC. I, again, really enjoyed their conversation just about data and the impact that it can have moving forward and really just that bridging of the gap between e-commerce and brick-and-mortar retail that can occur when data is present. So really interesting conversation. I appreciated those guys taking the time to talk to me there at DSC in Las Vegas. That is all we have time for on this episode of our MarketScale DSC coverage. We have one more podcast we're going to be releasing in this series, so make sure to stay tuned for that. But until next time, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for listening.